0: Hello and welcome to the Toast podcast with me, Laura Barton. For this series, I'm meeting six different women, artists, musicians, writers, all of whom are taking me to a place that they hold special and which inspires their creativity. In the spring, the songwriter and composer Hannah Peel relocated to Bangor in Northern Ireland. A multi-instrumentalist, Hannah works across many styles from electronica to brass as well as her solely recordings, she's known for her work with the musical psychogeography project The Magnetic North and for being a regular oh, presenter so on Six Music. On.
1: <laughs> Hi, this is Today,
0: I join her as she takes yeah, her neighbour's dog, Bo, for a walk along her new coastline <laughs> and tells me about the joy of discovering this landscape and its wildlife. Yeah,
1: look, just wants his ball, that's all he wants in life. <laughs> do you? My neighbour has a dog, and this is his dog. It's called Bo. Very hairy Labrador. We are on the North Downs, County Down in Northern Ireland, and this is the marina in a town called Bangor. So we've just left my house, but actually the house would have lo- overlooked a beach in, back in the Victorian kind of era. So it's a beautiful Victorian path that goes all the way around, kind of following the route of Belfast Lock here in front of us is Picky Park which is very very still and quiet at the moment but in the height of summer this is like overrun with families and noise and amusements but now it's all just sleeping swans. They're not real swans are they Hannah? (laughs) Swan pedalos. Just in general I think even with the houses here and the kind of oldness to everything there's a lot of melancholy a lot of memories my dad would have come here but before they built the marina it would have been still in the same position where picky park is but it would have been a swimming pool inset into the sea and now it's you know amusements but but yeah it's fantastic lots of colors and huts and things yeah it's quite a it's quite a happening place like it's the place to come if you're a kid you know like my dad used to come here for summer holidays and and they would come down here and swim and do things. So it holds a lot of memory for a lot of people. It's obviously changed over the years. The sun rises over to the right, and it, in the morning it just reflects on the water so beautifully. And here's the little picky puffer coming. <laughs> When did you first come
0: here?
1: Well, I've only been here once before, so I've not got any childhood memories about the place. It's all quite new still. You can sense a lot about it, but I came for a wedding of a, a cousin, like maybe 10, 12 years ago and thought it was really pretty then. And I've got family and friends here, but it wasn't until I started thinking about where I wanted to be and the things that I needed in life in order to work like the sea, a view, a connection to a city but not too in the city so um, it kind of ticked all the boxes so it's quite interesting that coming along this walk that we're on at the moment which is effectively an old Victorian footpath where you would have kind of paraded with your hats and umbrellas and I don't have any kind of like childhood attachment to the place which I think is quite refreshing that I'm not like just here living in the past if you know what I mean I'm kind of absorbing the past
0: (laughs) it's quite astonishing to come out from the funfair bit and suddenly it opens up and the sea is right there it's very calm today which is odd because it was so windy yesterday wasn't it but it's suddenly
1: that the air changes doesn't it yeah I mean it's all those sounds the synthetic sounds have all disappeared
0: so how often would you come on this walk
1: well actually we're walking pretty slow to what I normally walk I am normally like really really fast So, But at least once a day I call it the head shower because it is literally like as soon as you walk out the door within two minutes you're here and by the sea and you know if it's windy or if it's sunny it's still like a, a refreshing drink and you know I've I lived in London for a long time and I lived next to the park and I don't know I just never went for a walk You didn't feel like you were, even if you went for a walk, you were never that far away from your head.
0: And when you're walking here now, do you feel that you're walking to somewhere? Or are you just walking for the sake of walking?
1: No, definitely. There's like a point we'll get to that feels like I want to turn back now. I've either come too far or I've run out of time. (laughs) But if you go any further, then you're into a different kind of area, territory, which is more beach life. Whereas we're walking beside more rocks and... you'd see a lot more seabirds and and even the other day I was walking here like when I'm doing my fast-paced walks and there was two herons kind of just flirting in the sky together and it was really beautiful. There's a second a sense of seeing wildlife straight away which I didn't ever feel like I could connect to in the city. I'll take you up to this place called Wilson's Point which is like a kind of stone map of how far away we are from different points when we're looking out to sea but yeah this is this is the map which I absolutely love because it doesn't feel like it is so far so yeah the hills of Galloway are only 60 miles away and the Mullican Tyre 43 miles and here Blackhead and the Gobbins and I think Gobbins is such an, an amazing name it's a northern it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you can take little boat trips out from the harbour here and you can go on different trips so that over over to the Copeland Islands and that that's a nature reserve so there's lots of nature reserves round here but that one in particular is you know puffin territory and the seals and I happened to go out on a day this year that was one of those days that was even stiller than this you couldn't even hear a wave like it was like a kind of bath of water and there was seals sunbathing upside down in the water just floating It was, it was really incredible but The gobbins is these... ...is these uh, cliffs. They're quite treacherous cliffs. Should we get a bit of a pace on? Yeah, a stomp. Are we going to go this way or
0: that way? Oh, whichever, yeah, we can look. Just as Hannah has shifted her home, from Northern Ireland to Yorkshire, then Liverpool, London and now back to Northern Ireland, so her music has shifted shapes too. So much so that her last album saw her adopt her new identity entirely, Mary Cassio from Cassiopeia, to imagine the musical landscape of space. So how long were you in London? About
1: nine years. Before that you were in Liverpool, weren't you? Liverpool, yeah. So when was the last time you lived in Northern Ireland? Probably around about nineteen ninety. so it changed a lot since then? Well, yeah, without any doubt. It definitely feels more inclusive and multicultural and open and hang on a second. Bo?
0: Bo? Come on. So has it felt like a homecoming
1: or does it feel like a totally new thing? That's a strange one at the moment. It doesn't feel like a homecoming because I'm not in a place that I associate with as home yet. But it's also incredibly exciting because there's a lot of opportunities and there seems to be a massive kind of change in Belfast and there's lots of opening of doors that I never thought I would would have come back to. I was really expecting that all my work would still be in London and that I would still be Commuting a lot, which I am, but you know, I didn't expect to be doing work here, and that's really exciting and, and really nice because uh, you know, when we moved to Yorkshire, we gained these Yorkshire accents that, to my mum's dismay, we've kept. You know, and it's even though I've always said, Oh, to people, yeah, I'm Northern Irish, and they're like, No, you're not, you sound like you're from Barnsley, there's no way you're Northern Irish, and I'm like, No, I am. It feels nice to be kind of accepted as a Northern Irish artist, even with a a strange accent. (laughs) Have you found that your creative
0: output has changed since you've been here? Are you writing in a different way? Are you keeping
1: different rhythms throughout the day? Well, that's a tricky question because I've had that much work that has been for other people. But what I've found is that you know, a lot of, in the past if I've been doing a lot of work for other artists or whatever, I I wouldn't be able to do much of it. I'd get to a certain point that I'd be like, okay, I really need to get this out of my system in my own way rather than going strings for somebody else. But actually I think with having this view and having this walk and the, the air and the sounds, you know, it's that head shower. It's like as if like white noise then cleanses you so that you can continue and I've found that I've found things a lot more enjoyable and I've wanted to do more things like that rather than just my own output. But um, I think when that all calms down I'll, I'll definitely be able to answer your question a little bit more thoroughly and see how this has affected what I write and what I create for the next album in particular. Um, that will be really interesting. And what is the sound of, of Banga to you? I think it's more of an energy rather than a sound there's the industrial side there's the kind of the delicate side, the bird life and the waves and then there's also this powerful side that is the wind and the storms and the rains that you get hit with because you're right on the the edge of the East Coast there's so much history in terms of the Northern Irish kind of history and so there's definitely a sound of hope as well like there's a new art centre that's going to open in the next year and I think there's yeah an energy that just feels like it's bubbling and I think maybe because we're on the edge of the Belfast Lock as well it feels like there's this kind of flow in and out that doesn't feel stagnant that you can keep moving and you can keep creating and you can travel like one of my favorite things to do what I've done so far is travel on the ferry back to Liverpool going past the house and kind of waving to the house and realizing that you know I might own that house but it's it's just a piece of fabric it's bricks and stones that so many people have lived in since the 1880s because
0: also, it must be interesting you were saying earlier about your house had been a um, was it a B and b yeah and then it was gonna be flats and
1: yeah it was a guest house and hang on two seconds because I feel bad because I haven't even took the ball maybe we'll get him in the sea and get him to have a, a splash Uh, yes, yeah, so this is a little cove, a little stony beach called the Jenny Watts Cove and just opposite is the Jenny Watts Cave and Jenny Watts was, by legend, a kind of smuggler and she would smuggle things assisted by her father so she was quite young when she was doing it uh, from the Isle of Man and bring over whiskey and things that you couldn't really get here and, uh, you know, made quite a bit of money from it and would always give the money to a lot of the poorer families until she apparently rejected a lover's advances and he turned her in so they they all went into the cave to hide out and she never came out so they don't know whether she hid in the back of a cave and drowned at a later date or but she was always kind of put on a bit of a pedestal because she was this female young girl that would save the day and (laughs) make everything easier for people but in this particular spot because it's such a lovely swimming spot there's so many people this summer that i've seen like swimming groups coming down and it's freezing um, Are you no i'm not doing it <laughs> come on bo i'm going to chuck the ball in to the sea which he loves he loves swimming you ready okay go <laughs> watch out Lauren
0: oh. Oh. <laughs> that. So you lived in Liverpool and London and New Yorkshire did you write differently in each place? or?
1: Yeah, I would say when I was living in Liverpool in particular it was all bands at the time there was a lot of folk music. London has definitely been my electronic era. I've definitely taken that with me to hear and you know the studio at home has as many synths as I can fit in as possible. <laughs> but I think there will be an element to that of it will change somewhat and I think it will probably become more sound related because of the, the landscape and the openness rather than you know, contained within the studio in London was in a basement and dreaming of constantly being out of that basement and dreaming of like what you remember on a trip. So, you know, like dreaming of like okay, here yeah, that time I went in <laughs> that time I went to space. <laughs> but you know, like that the the imagination is allowed to play a lot more, whereas here it's a lot more kind of in front of you rather than Constantly having to dream and want all the time. Speaking of space,
0: and your <laughs> your music about space, inspired by thoughts of space, what's the night sky like here?
1: It's funny because I just thought I was going to be able to see the stars all the time, but I can't <laughs> because at my house it's next to the marina and there's lights, lights. But funny enough, they're like little twinkling stars in themselves because there's so many little lights along all the footpaths. But yeah, no, no night skies, which was what I was hoping for. Um, I think, you know, you get to various stages in your life that you you try out new things, you constantly challenge. and this year has been like one massive challenge. Not like a negative challenge, I mean, in terms of working on a scores for orchestra, to conducting, to hosting a radio show, the things that I've never done before, but have had to just quickly just go right do it quick go and do it as best as you possibly can and you know especially since moving here I've had to do that more and more and there's something um, hello there's something quite freeing about being able to see the sea and have a walk because I think I probably would have lost my mind by now with the amount of of work and pressure that I seem to have got myself into (laughs) and I think that was important choosing to come to live here was that you have a sense of community and that there I- you're not just on your own like it's important to have people around you I, I would find it hard if we were in the middle of nowhere right now but equally
0: sometimes you can be in a big city like London and it can feel like the middle of nowhere can't it it can be mm-hmm. just as isolating Definitely. it's quite amazing how much and you know, even just a short half hour walk the landscape has changed and the colour of the sea changes a little bit because we've just gone through an incredibly green part haven't we that I wouldn't really necessarily always associate with the side of the sea the blackberries are out
1: yeah I've seen lots of blackberries this is like a little bay called smelt mill bay it would have had a smelt mill just back into the woods there and so you would have had a lot of iron and dirty water flowing out into the ocean here but there used to be during the Victorian year, there was a little cafe that you could come down here as well. If I you think they like smoke. You hang out <laughs> yeah. with it. So. But. Kids, but everybody I've met along here, walking the dog is really friendly. I have to say that. Oh, look, here's a little Jack Russell. Oh. <laughs> oh, where's your ball, Bo? Where is it? Oh, where's my ball? Where's my ball? Mm-hmm. You just imagine him saying that yeah. going, <laughs> i lost it, I lost it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Good work, good
0: slinking.
1: Yeah. How does it feel to come here after travelling off a flight? Because you would have passed over here when yeah, you yeah, came yeah. in. Do you
0: know, I was looking down thinking, we must be in that sort of area. Oh, it feels lovely. It feels like when you've been in an airport and you've been, you know, to get here, you've been in your little tin can, you know. And um, it's almost like milky, that long of milk, do you know what I mean? It's that kind of soft, cool feeling. It's lovely. we right, used to go and hold it to Anglesey every year and it reminds me of that kind of air.
1: Oh that's good because it's not um it's not a seasidey. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no seaweed around here so it, it doesn't carry that kind of thing you associate with with the sea. Yeah. It's just more fresh. Yeah. Tell you what though, some days and I look out on my window in the house and The way the sea meets the sky you can't tell where it starts and ends and sometimes there's like ships and ferries going along there that just look like they're in the sky it's incredible just all blends into one. I like looking out at the sea at night
0: and when you do see those tankers and they've got the little lights twinkling and they look like stars you know. (laughs) So I know that you thought about moving to a few other places before you chose Bangor, what made the call for you?
1: I think there's just something really special about being able to come back and somewhere that I've constantly, throughout my whole life, like since we moved, been told that's where you're from. That's where you're from, and I suppose it's a bit of a, a heart home. You know, I don't, my soul home. It feels like something like. That it was meant to be
0: and you made an album about your grandmother who was obviously from here as well yeah has that connected you to this place or was that one of the things that made you feel that you wanted more of a sense of belonging to this place
1: yeah i mean she obviously lived here for 50 years but she was from manchester but um yeah the record wasn't necessarily based here, if that makes sense, but it definitely had the essence of coming here and it was finished in um, a town called Letterkenny, which is in County Donegal, which is definitely for me a a childhood place full of memory and happiness And, and that was, I really wanted to be in Donegal to finish that and felt like I needed that connection, but I suppose in some ways my music doesn't sound very Irish, you know, I suppose the thing that connects me back to to Ireland quite a lot is stories and, and storytelling and, you know, the whole story of, of Mary Cassio and her journey to Cassiopeia and, and the story of my grandmother and the stories that come with the albums connected with the Magnetic North have a strong sense of tale and, and height and, and, and tensions that I find that you get here in this landscape and political kind of history as well.
0: We often, when we think about musicians inspired by a landscape or trying to render a landscape in music as being acoustic or quite pastoral, that seems quite a long way from what you do. How would you capture this landscape in
1: synths or electronic instruments? Oh, well, the thing that I really find interesting and beautiful with synths is the kind of the nuances and the things that can go wrong. and and the way that it speaks your mind for you—it's like you're making textures that don't exist in a on a violin or a trombone or a piano. That they're they're, they're they're past that. They're in a different world. And I think that here, if you were to say, write me a piece of music about this landscape, it would probably involve a lot of how I feel about this landscape on that particular day. And sometimes I can come out here and you turn back round and you face the sea and it's and the sun's out and the winds blowing and it just feels like this amazing uplifting feeling of like you can do this you can get there and I, I suppose in that way I would probably write a piece of music that would feel like that like an enlightening piece but on a day like today where it's a bit duller and a bit cloudier and there's not much wind it would probably be a lot more serene and probably involve a lot more of the sounds the industrial sounds and and would the notes be longer and sort of flatter definitely diaker? yeah it's you know sometimes i think it's quite an interesting concept of writing a piece of music that goes along horizontally the way the landscape moves as well the cliffs out there the gobbins the the way they they cut straight down into the ocean is it's really dramatic and <laughs> and wild and I wonder if you know if I was to write a piece of music that followed that line and curve where it goes up and down and up and down and it dips down where Whitehead town is goes up and then to the sheer drop of the cliffs what kind of music that might sound like or or is it the kind of memory I mean you think about it Belfast Lock that's where the Titanic left 1912 that would have gone past my house I often think that maybe someone in my house was watching the Titanic go past and then and waving to it as it went on its journey this beautiful voyage that everyone dreamed of That should be your next album really, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the memories of it <laughs> which is also met with so much sadness you know, the history of here and the coming and going Definitely doesn't feel like a place that is stuck also, the dog seems to go missing around this point. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, he just never seems it's to come past this point. as if like there might be rabbits and things around here, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, but do you know what I mean? You kind of feel like you've hmm. got to the end of... Oh, yeah, completely. It feels like a totally shift, different shift. Oh, he's here, look. Got my ball. Got my ball.
0: What did you want? You've been listening to the Toast Podcast with me, Laura Barton. The producer is Jeff Bird, and the series was conceived by Emily Mears. You can subscribe to Toast Podcasts on our website, or with your preferred podcast provider, to hear more episodes from this series.